1: Yeah, Bottas did not have the paste And actually it Dan has left
0: <laughs> Dan has left the room <laughs> Dan's doing a lie down protest right now But To be fair It's Lights Out and so away we go
1: And welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's the first race weekend of the season, and oh boy, it didn't disappoint. We are recording this just about an hour after the race has finished. Um, In the studio, the virtual studio, is Dan, who's chucking pencils on the floor. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) On the show today, we have Matt, how are you, sir?
0: F1 is boring. It's the same thing every week. I don't understand how racing works.
1: What I love the most is that you, you used to record this podcast in fully dressed in red. And now you're like Luigi.
0: Well, yeah, you know, I have to support Seb. I mean, he had a really good day, right?
1: An Amazing day. We'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Okay. Uh, we've, we've got two of our writers on the show today. We've got Dan. How are you, Dan?
2: Yeah, I'm okay. Could be better given the race result, could be worse given the race result. So,
1: yeah. I think you're, you're always going to have a miserable, miserable time
2: supporting Bottas, but we'll, we'll get to that as well. Not, not always, not in Russia. I have a good time in Russia.
0: Yeah. The only one.
2: Yeah, the only one.
1: <laughs> um, and we also have Alex, who's not been on our show before, but you are one of our writers for com. How are you, sir? I am good, thank you Ollie. I really enjoyed writing uh, my
3: report on that race and I'm very happy as a Lewis Hamilton fan following that.
1: I've got to be honest, so when we do our race reviews the idea is that the panel take their notes as as we go through so that we can remember what happened. This week I was like, nah, Alex is having to do
0: that for our website so I'll
1: just read his race review if I forget (laughs) what happened.
0: (laughs) Um, but, There's going yeah, to be you, a bunch of off-camera glances of us actually pulling up Alex's article to remind ourselves what we need <laughs> to discuss, because we were all just <laughs> manic, stark, raving, mad lunatics in the group <laughs> chat during the race.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was a it was a heck of a race, and um, if, if you haven't uh, read our race report, do so, FormulaNerds.com. Bless Alex, spent the whole race writing it, and it was out. How, how, how long did it take to get out after the race finished?
3: Probably about, initially... Ten seconds after the chequered flag dropped. Ooh. Hey, my, my wrists are hurting now, I
1: tell you. Hey, 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 leave uh, there. Nope. Whoa, that. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Glossing. <laughs> Celebrated a bit too much. Uh, uh, that... Ten seconds, huh? <laughs> so we were due to have uh, Mark Gallagher on the show today. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't make it as his wife felt ill. Um, and we wish her a very speedy recovery. And we're going to catch up with Mark Gallagher later in the year. I think we've said the Monaco race weekend. So um, that'll be pretty cool because he'll be there as well. So um, our thoughts are out to him. Now, we're here today to talk about the race. But pre-season testing, guys, we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet on this show. Um, Alex, on the build-up, those th- those three days of pre-season testing, I mean, what did you what did you conclude from that?
3: Oh, I think there was more questions rather than answers, to be honest. Um, I feel we did see Red Bull had appeared to close the gap, as they always do in testing. But everyone was kind of just thinking, okay, let's not get too excited about this. Uh, Mercedes are known for their sandbagging, so we'll just have to wait and see for the race. Well, for qualifying to see if Red Bull have actually closed that gap and... We weren't
1: disappointed, were we? No, no, we weren't. And, and I thought the testing this year—you know—it wasn't a standard testing. We were in Bahrain. The first day of testing with the sandstorm, it was—it was unreal. I actually didn't think they were going to go out in that. No, I didn't either. It
3: was—it was like a scene from Star Wars. Uh, I was loving Will Buxton's references on the uh, Formula One commentary. So shout out to him for those. Um, but yeah, and the fact that there was—it was a shorter period of testing as well made it much more difficult for the teams to get the laps in and i think from what we've seen it has it has cost some of the teams today that um that limited amount of time that they had out on track especially as you look further down the order uh, but we won't we won't name specifics i don't want to upset anyone matt um <laughs> we'll get
1: to those later on yeah and and, and it looked like I mean, we, we all know about sandbagging. We all know that they hold some pace back, but it, it did look and has proved out today that the Mercedes aren't quite as on, as on form as they normally are. I mean, Dan, what what did you make of their pace um, throughout testing initially?
2: I think it's hard to judge based on testing because everyone knew they weren't going to show their full pace. So you can say, oh, Mercedes are terrible. Red Bull are going to run off with the Constructors' Championship as much as you want. I think we all knew really that come the first race, it would be a different situation, but it's not quite as different as I think some of us expected it to be.
1: No, no, it, it's not at all. And I think that there was some, you know, there's been big hype about McLaren for sure in the pre-season testing. Uh, you know, they they were coming third. You had Danny Ricciardo smashing it. And, and we, we were a bit let down by Aston Martin. Let's be honest about it. Matt, What's as a converted Aston Martin fan, you are now... You now have a new religion, I think. Maybe, maybe you're going to go back on that after today.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'll uh, be praying to St. Stroll anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I think you know, with Aston Martin, the hype of bringing in that brand, they did a phenomenal job with their buildup with the media and the car launch. And I think that was one of the most exciting things in a long time. And it really got the fans talking. However, at the end of the day... We are dealing with, you know, Sebastian Vettel in a new car, Lance Stroll is Lance Stroll. So no matter what technological advances and, uh, you know, with going over to the Mercedes platform, it's not an instant recipe. And I don't believe anybody in the sport, including Lawrence Stroll, believe this is going to be an overnight, uh, instantaneous success story. It's going to be a growth, uh, and development stage of it right now. It helps next year with 2022, uh, but nothing in testing is a given, except that you're going to see a lot of laps, hopefully, unless you're Aston Martin. And at the end of the day, nobody knows anything until the lights go out at the first race on Sunday. Even qualifying, you know, with guys, which we'll get into later, but you know, people in new cars, people with new engines, nothing is a given until it's go time for real and the chips are down.
1: I think there actually is only one given that carried through from testing into qualifying and into the first, what, second, first or second corner of the race. But we'll get into that. (laughs) And I haven't quite decided how I'm going to address that man yet. So we'll we'll, we'll get there. Um, What about practice? I mean, it it was the Max Verstappen show, wasn't it?
0: With all the eyes on Honda, you know, we're talking about the new developments that Honda have with their engine they brought to Red Bull there was a lot of talk and I think even more attention drawn to them because of Lewis Hamilton's statements coming out of protesting that, Oh, they're looking very quick and all that, which I almost feel was kind of like a red herring from Lewis Hamilton. Oh, look at them. Don't worry about us. You know, it, it, it definitely got everybody to take notice of the pace and start trying to compare to last year's qualifying segments and things of that nature. Uh, I mean, they look quick as things we will discuss later. will show, uh, but overall, you know, Honda on the whole, with AlphaTauri and Red Bull, have made monumental strides, and I think, dare I say, with the exception of Alpha Romeo, the biggest strides in the field overall from 2020 to 2021, and it's definitely going to be something to see as the season develops, uh, if they can maintain that closure to Mercedes, but as of right now, it's spicy.
1: Oh, oh it is, and... and... Talking about spice, we had three new drivers on the grid this year. Uh, One that drove car nine, one who is Mick Schumacher, and the other one is Sonoda. Now, guys, this is an open question. I'm gonna start with you, Alex. Who out of those was your favorite?
3: It certainly wasn't number nine. Um, I think for me it would have to be, at first I was drawn because of the name to Mick Schumacher, but ever since he's arrived in the paddock and got out on track, Yuki Tsunoda, I'm gonna get crucified for saying that wrong. Uh, he's really excited me. You know, he's he's the first he's the first driver from the twenty first century to race in Formula One, and he look he looks bloody quick. And he got his, um, he he got his, he got into the points today. So it was a brilliant Formula One debut from him.
1: It, it is and and it, okay we, he didn't have the best qualifying in the end, but I, I'll be honest with you. When I saw this chap. I hadn't followed his previous career but when I saw him in the paddock I thought oh he's nice isn't he and I just thought he'd be a nice guy in the car and just you know you know wave people past and just take it (laughs) nice and easy this guy's got attitude man and he he shows that on track I found it so exciting
0: didn't you Matt I don't even know if I would say it's attitude it's just that he, he has no fear At the end of the day, a car is a car to Yuki Tsunoda, and anybody that pulls up alongside him will be very, very quickly introduced to him, including what happened today. I have never seen a driver come in and adapt so quickly from F2 to F1. It was like he's been born, bred, programmed, and he's in the Matrix, and they downloaded that floppy disk on him today. Uh, He did not miss a step. He did not miss a beat, and I was very, very impressed, which says something for the overall competition of the Asiatic Feeder Series that are coming up now. Uh, if we look at Guan Yu Zhou and his uh, amazing drive today in F2, uh, it's starting to become more of a it's always been a global sport. Now there are global inroads, too. Uh, so it's he's going to be very, very fun to watch, as will the Asiatic Feeder Series coming up now.
1: Oh, for sure. So um, let, let's talk a little bit about qualifying yesterday. Um. It was wild. It was, from, from, from Q1, it was absolutely wild, wasn't it? I mean, what what, what parts of these stand out to you, guys?
0: Track evolution Sorry. for me. Sorry.
2: <laughs> Dan, what stands out to you? It was, I think, the the pace of some cards that I didn't expect to have pace. Like, we knew the Alpha Tauris were quick, but they clearly had a lot of pace with... Gasly sticking it on fifth, I believe, on the grid. Um, but also Ferrari as well. They were quicker than I expected Ferrari to be. And Matt's going to love me for saying that.
1: But. Well, I mean, let, let's be honest. They, they, If anyone was sandbagging, it was probably Ferrari, right? Because uh, we had no hope for them. And then they came in. I, I can't remember what, what session it was, but they came in,
0: in first.
2: Q2, first and second, yeah.
0: Which for me not only has Ferrari figured out a way to go from a hand trolley to an actual proper racing car this year with their engine, uh, but the track evolution was hysterical for me in Q2 in that Yuki Tsunoda, out of nowhere, dropped a P6 at one point in that. Uh, we, we saw George Russell uh, had a moment where he was looking like he was going to get out of Q2, or excuse me, into Q2, and it was just hysterical to watch how... The right atmospherics, the right temperatures, and people getting things correct on their setup all came together at once for just sheer bedlam. Uh, nobody at the beginning of the season, myself included, would have said, oh, Ferrari, we're going to have a front row lockout potential. Yeah, that'll, that'll happen. No, not at all. And uh, the dogs still may require extensive therapy uh, for how excited I got about that. It's just, it just goes to show the unpredictability that even up through Q2, we have no idea. Yeah. We have no idea. I mean, I mean, obviously we
1: had we had one person spinning twice in Q one. Um Sonoda was second in Q one, by the way. I just had to check that because that's what I thought he was, but he was with Hamilton behind him into Q two. We had we had Norris in fourth, right? I mean, this was an incredible. We had Ferrari one and two, um, mental. We we went into Q three
0: thinking no one knows what's going to happen here. And I think the madness of these cars coming alive in that track evolution is what caught a couple of teams out. Like, granted, you know, Checo was in a new car, which is what he slated up his uh, qualifying performance to. But there were a lot of teams, I think, that, you know, they go in with a set delta time because you don't want to show all of your hands in Q2. And all of a sudden, people are lopping off seven-tenths of a second left and right, and you're like, oh, oh, go back out now, right pedal, go. And it was a frenetic pace, and you could see how unprepared so many of the teams were in the closing stages of Q2.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we were all chatting at the time, and I, I really couldn't call it. I, I, I can't remember what our predictions were, but I'm pretty sure we, we guessed the top three, but it it was a case of we didn't know. We, no one knew at that point what was going to happen, and I think um, that's what we've been waiting for in F1, and I, I I honestly thought in that Q3, Hamilton had nailed it. I was already celebrating that he had put it on pole and who came along to steal it, Alex? It was uh, it was Mr. Fast. It was it was the one and only
3: Mr. Verstappen. And after the how close the gap was in Q2, like you said, we couldn't call it. What it was it? Was it like two hundredths of a second between the two? So I was thinking, well, Mercedes have really closed the gap since testing. Now we're in for a, we're in for a quality Q3, and. Then I then you hear Max on the radio saying that his lap, which still put him in first in Q2, was rubbish and he wasn't happy with it. So uh, when Hamilton crossed the line at the end of Q3 to go on the top, I was a bit more reserved because I was thinking, no, if Max can get a good lap together, which he did, he, he can definitely put his Red Bull P1. And he did by nearly four tenths, which... It's a massive margin,
1: to be honest. It was, it was unreal. I mean, he did a 128.9. It was, it was so fast. He got Lewis behind him at 129, well, pretty much 0.4. You know, it was an incredible performance, really showing that actually that pace that they've had and they've been showing all the way through is, is genuine pace. So we started the race today with, with Max Verstappen on pole, Lewis Hamilton uh, alongside him, Bottas tucked behind in third, Charles Leclerc in fourth. Mr. Consistency. <laughs> I mean, and and then my driver of 2020, Mr. Gasly in fifth. I mean, what what a line that was. I was I was very excited going into this
3: race. Very excited. Could Hamilton get Verstappen down into turn one? Could Bottas sneak in from third? Or oh, what was Gasly going to do in P five? And even further down the pack as well. It's just the the competition this year seems to have got so much closer and. We, we, I knew that we were in for a very exciting race and it didn't let us down.
2: Well, we had drama before the race even started with Checo pulling over on the formation lap. Like, you know, everyone assumed, oh, he was out. We were all saying while we were talking during the race, we were gussed for him. And then he got the cargo in and managed to start from the pit lane. So thank God for that. Yeah.
0: Which I think could have been a almost blessing in disguise for Checo. Uh, coming into that Red Bull second seat we all make the jokes across the the entire industry that the second seat at red bull is cursed and he has all this pressure on himself he knows the targets that helmet marco and christian horner are setting for him to be close to max so he's probably got all that going through his head you know trying to calm himself down and then away goes the engine and all the power and you're uh, uh, uh. so it becomes less about the targets you're aiming to achieve and now it's pardon the pun he's driving to survive it takes all of the strategies out of play and it just becomes right pedal go don't bend it and you have to tip the hat to him for the mental fortitude to do that plus let's be honest it's not like starting at the back of the grid really means he's going to have a bad result look at the last time he did it
2: yeah he said in his uh, post race interview as well that he was really close to just jumping out the car taking this deer in a wheel off and calling it a day. And then his engineer was on the radio with Jonathan Wheatley as well, trying to tell him all these things. And then it got working. He was just like, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah.
0: That's the temperament of Checo. Uh, Almost anybody else in the grid, you would see gloves, steering wheel, Hans device, you know, flying out of the cockpit, hands beating on (laughs) the car. He just, uh, he has a wet fuse. It takes him a little bit longer to blow. And (laughs) I would... I, that's why I won't be a racing driver, boys. You would have seen me single-handedly dismantle that car with my bare fists, you know, King Kong style, if that happened to me. And <laughs> that's why he's there and I'm not. Credit to
2: Perez's race engineer as well. Cause he's new for this year. Hugh Bird used to be Max's performance engineer. I believe he obviously stayed calm in that situation where he wouldn't have really experienced it before. So I think we need to give him some credit as well.
1: We'll get to Perez
2: in the race, but just,
1: just, just bear in mind that he, he qualified P11.
2: Okay,
1: I'll leave that one there. So what we're going to do this year, we're going to talk about the race, but we're not going to say, oh, in lap one, this happened, in lap two, that happened. We're going to talk about, we're going to go through the drivers and the teams. We're going to do it in reverse order. So what that does mean is that we start with the spinners, which is Haas. Let's talk about their race. And I mean, coming into it, it's, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Haas. And I think a few of us on this this, uh, this podcast are quite vocal about it. So we had driver of car nine and Mick Schumacher, and driver of car nine hasn't shown himself to be very good yet, has he? And should we? Which one of you wants to just talk about his race today in his first ever F one race? Alex, uh, you, you go. Have to for do it, it in one breath,
3: Alex. that's all you get. That should be easy. It didn't last long. No. And- <laughs> yeah it 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 was just a repeat of the performance in qualifying really. I don't think he's used to i don't think he's he's used to driving a car like a Formula One car. you know these these cars are the most powerful machines in the world, and this guy just doesn't seem to have the ability to control one right now he just he's he's accelerated from what I've seen, he's accelerated too hard out of turn two and just lost the rear. And to do that in one of the, in, in the slowest car on the grid is quite embarrassing.
2: He's, he yeah. had a shocker of a weekend, Mazepin. You know, he spun on both his qualifying laps after one of them was after he overtook half the field in the final sector to start his lap first and then ruined everyone's laps behind him by spinning. So everyone was already annoyed at him at this point. And then, yeah, as you say, he spins it on the second turn absolutely unprovoked. He had a debut to forget, that's safe to say.
0: I think number nine has realized that the F1 community has a very, very long memory. We don't forget, but it was almost like he was going to be given a chance once he got here. And then he pissed off the entire field with what happened in qualifying. So while I didn't watch with anybody on the podcast and wasn't, uh, we didn't discuss him at length, the amount of raucous cheers, I believe that went up around the world would tell you everything you need to know about his standing with the F1 fan base at this point in time.
2: He said in a media interview that he wants to do his talking on the track, which didn't really work very well for him. I I think
0: it did work. It worked. (laughs) It worked, just not in the way he wanted it to work. I'm going to do my talking on the track, and I want to sum it up with one word. (laughs) But then... If you look at the other Haas driver today, he
3: also made a similar-looking mistake uh, on the safety car restart coming out of turn four. He, he lost the rear again, uh, accelerating out of the corner. And yes, we know car number nine has had a shocking weekend, that can't be denied. But I think the fact that Mick Schumacher's also made that error shows just how loose the Haas is at the rear end and
1: how difficult the car must be to
3: drive right now.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to be honest. We, we've, you know, I, I tried to come into this F1 season and forget everything that had previously happened. I thought, OK, you, you want to show yourself on track, you do it, man. Um, he's done it. <laughs> and we've got to give a little bit of credit that in the fact that Haas wouldn't be in the sport right now if he wasn't there. So, I, I, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy. But at the same time, they are driving
0: a horrifically bad car, which Gunther is very open about. Why a Hass here? Well, not only do they potentially have a very bad car, this was almost the worst case scenario envisioned by all of us when they announced two rookie drivers. You know, it's not going to be, Yuki Tsunoda is the exception. People as rookies are not going to come in and dominate and feel as comfortable as they are. And you know that there are a lot of pressures on both number nine and Mick Schumacher. And if we're going to decimate uh, he who shall not be named for his performances, we have to hold Mick Schumacher accountable as well. He also messed up egregiously with a early throttle blip before coming out of the corner. That's part of the learning curve as being a rookie. I think the reason we come down so hard on he who shall not be named Uh, the driver of number nine is I had to think of the words without saying his name. Uh, We come down so hard on him is that we have this natural disposition to be upset towards quote unquote, pay to drive drivers. But in the end, that family is the reason that the entire Haas team has a job. You know, they are paying mortgages, they are paying grocery bills and all that. So we have to kind of, I personally have, To take it with a grain of salt and that they are good for the sport if you are a Haas employee, whether or not they remain to be seen as good for the sport outside of that fan base and community uh, up for debate and will continue to be so but right now they're learning why maybe they should not have been so hasty to get rid of Roman and Kevin.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they had two brilliant drivers beforehand. And okay, we all took the Mick out of Grosjean at times, and um, Kevin Magnussen didn't always have the best results. But he was he was a character as well. But he was also a very good driver, and he just neither of them had the chance to show that um, with with, with Hass. But I think we, you know, everyone's giving um, car number nine a lot of grief because there was a wall there. Mick didn't have the wall so he managed to finish the race. Um you know it could have been exactly the same result should Mick have made that mistake somewhere else. So I I, I think I think that sums up Haas doesn't it? Um is there anything else we want to add on Haas?
2: One thing I will mention is obviously we don't know how much money car number 9 brings to the team and his family but will it ever get to the point where he costs the team more than he brings in if he keeps crashing every weekend it's just a question to pose
3: I just—I think that's the whole risk you take when you bring on two rookies to join your team because it raises that question have they had enough time to build up their skills in F2 to then come into the big leagues to race with the big boys and Mick Schumacher you could arguably say yes because he, he won the championship last year in Formula 2 but for me, for for number nine to, to finish fifth and not really put up a championship fight in the junior league and to get straight pushed up into Formula One, for me, that's a bit questionable, to be honest, and a big risk that Haas seemed to be suffering for almost
2: instantly. I think there's, there's quite a few points to make there. Yes, number nine didn't perform very well in the junior leagues. He had complete equal machinery with Nick de Vries when Nick de Vries won the F2 title. He was his teammate in Mazepin was 18th or 19th or somewhere miles down the scan miles down the standings then it links to i guess you could use the red bull debate as well did they bring gasly up too soon he's now gone back to alpha tauri he's now incredible in alpha tauri albon's now lost his seat because arguably red bull took him up too soon it's just they need time to develop you know certain drivers take longer than others if number 9 and had another year in f2 he may have done significantly better in f1 next year we Just don't know, so that's that's Haas, Haas Ferrari. I should note. Um, we've spoken about that, they did also
1: qualify last and second from last, so you know, it, that, that sums up the race weekend. They then both binned it. There was one other DNF today, which I've got to be honest, I, I, I was a bit gutted about it in the end, which was Fernando Alonso. I, I thought he had a cracking race, didn't he? He, he, he um. He, f- he was out on lap 33 with, what was it, brake problems? Matt, I can see you have something to say.
0: As a Ferrari fan, I have never been the biggest proponent of Fernando Alonso. Uh, I have had a very, very big issue with the way he domineers the teams he is on, uh, disparages the engine suppliers he has had, and it almost seemed to me like he was... Uh, getting his due diligence in that all at time talking about honda making a gp2 engine well that changed didn't it and to hear the talk i know he may not have said he's the best blah 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 i don't care i am not a fernando alonso fan so to watch that come back and bite him on the hind end was almost as exciting and enjoyable for me as the rest of the race which may make me seem like a hater and that's okay uh i just it was a. It was nice to see him get some humble pie served to him. <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh.
1: I mean, I, I'm not a huge Alonzo fan myself. I, I, I was. I've been quite vocal about that um, with you guys. However, I thought he, he he put in quite a good race in the end, um, and and it was an unfortunate way to go out. I thought I thought he was he was getting right there in the mix, and you know his teammate who goes by the name of Esteban Ocon finished in eleventh. Sorry, in thirteenth in the end. That, what was that like for Alpine? Dan, do you got any thoughts
2: on that? I think the first thing to mention, this is referring to later in the race, was that Ocon probably would have finished slightly higher if a certain Mr Vettel hadn't have punted him off. Um, but Alpine, they're, they're not as strong as I thought they were going to be leading into this season. I thought, you know, Renault had a pretty strong season last season, largely with the help that Ricardo bought but they're just not where I expected them to be. And I think Riccardo definitely made the right move to go to McLaren. They're, if anyone can bring them back up, it's Alonso. And the way he can really help work with the team, admittedly around him, but work with the team. It 2022 is what they need to focus on.
1: Yeah. I mean, Alex, what do you think? You know, that this was the Renault team. Really, all they've done is change the colours. It's a bit like Aston Martin, really. You know, they've gone backwards from where Racing Point were. Um, what, what do you make of it, Alex? Yeah, they've they've changed the colours, changed the driver
3: line up a little bit and changed the management as well, which I think was a bit of a crucial um, part of all this because I think I think Cyril did a great job with Renault. In, in, like you say, last season, they had the strongest season they've had so far and, and he got them on the podium. Well... Daniel Ricciardo got them on the podium but Cyril was the director of all of that and I was quite surprised when they let let him go when they announced they'd be rebranded as Alpine and yeah they had they looked strong on the first day of testing but since then they've kind of sort of just faded back down the pack and I was extremely disappointed to see Alonso coming into the pits to retire because I, I was enjoying Watching him battle it out on track with his old rivals, uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel, I was loving
1: those moments during the mid-stages of the race. I've got to say, how good was that battle? And I know Matt will appreciate this. Um, The battle between Seb, Alonso,
0: and... uh, Which Ferrari was it? That would be uh, number 55 of Carlos Sainz, which was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was a great battle. And it it was like, it was... What what, what did Crofty say? He said it, it was a... Two ex Ferrari drivers and a current Ferrari driver, all battling it out, and 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 there was a, there, you know that there was status. They knew who they were battling, and it was let's let's show these boys his boss. And how the the order changed about eight times. It was a really enjoyable battle. But go, going back to Alpine, I think, like you said, Esteban got punted out um, by a certain SV5, which we will get on to. They could have done better. And, you know, Alonso had an unfortunate time. So maybe it was just a bad day for them.
2: I think Alpine didn't have a strong weekend. I think it's a bad weekend for them as a whole. Ocon got caught up in the yellow flags in qualifying. Alonso got into Q3, but I don't think he had the best start, if I remember correctly. Someone will say in the comments if I'm wrong. But I think, again, the same with Haas. It's a weekend to forget for Alpine. Move on, start again next week.
1: Okay, so, so next up we have... One of the fan favourites, one of my favourites, Williams' F1 team. So Russell dominated in qualifying, didn't he? He got into Q2, which he shouldn't have, and um, he, he had a really good session, but it didn't really turn out too well in the race. We had Russell finishing in 15th and Nicholas Latifi in 17th. I'll be honest, boys, I can't really recall anything to do with Williams in this race.
3: Yeah, I think Mr. Saturday, as he's well known, he kind of just, he's finished in 14th and I feel that he only finished that high because of the misfortunes of those beneath him. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't for the, I'd, like Gasly was below him and if it wasn't for a certain incident throughout the race, I'm sure he would have finished higher. So yeah, I think Russell did well to even finish 14th, but like you say, there wasn't really anything notable from them throughout the race. I, I don't recall seeing Latifi on my screen once.
2: I think we knew Williams were going to struggle a bit this weekend. You know, both drivers and the team have said their, their car will be quite wind dependent and Bahrain is very windy um, and very sandy as well. So I think if we, when we move on to places like Imola, they will hopefully improve. Hopefully there's a bit less wind there. That's quite a protected track. It's not too exposed, but it'll be interesting to see once we've seen at a few venues how far Williams have really come since last season. So I had really high hopes for them, but they didn't quite deliver it this weekend.
0: Well, also, you know, we're dealing with the new regulation changes that are almost with the exception of the team that finished on top today. uh, The high rate cars are a little bit at less of a disadvantage with the regulation changes for this year. Uh, And Williams are obviously a Mercedes car. They're running a lower rake and angle of attack on their car for their wings. So even with the wind coming into play, it didn't really matter at this track, if almost, if you will, because they were going to be at a disadvantage no matter what. Uh, this plays into those quote unquote dartier cars than it does for the Williams, this, the slow, stable, lumbering oafs that they can be that we all love. Uh, we knew it was going to be rough, which I think only highlights even more just how impressive that result is for George Russell. He should be down there with Nicholas Latifi. He was a little bit more opportunistic and a little bit luckier today, uh, but overall, it's about what we would expect
1: and what I did like about Williams you know they've got new management it's hopefully it's the start of something new for Williams now and this will be a year where they make minor improvements and then they're 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 doing the business on 2022 whether George Russell will still be there's another conversation but I did see on social media that Williams had sent all of their team uh, a few cans of beer and some make at home pizzas to watch the race and I just thought that was such a lovely touch you know for the guys who watch on TV, don't get to go out to the races. I just, you know, I'm sure other teams do these things, but I only saw that
0: one. I thought it was a a nice touch from Williams. I think if we're speaking of lovely touches very quickly, I think we should all just take a moment to kind of voice artist pleasure about the departure of the Williams family from that team. Uh, you know, we already upset about the race introduction, not having a tribute to Murray Walker, which tip of the hat to uh, the teams that honor that man and his legacy. But, uh, Williams have always been a class act. The Williams family, you know, Frank and Claire have been institutions of the sport. So for them to be kind of snubbed, if you will, by to try to survive, I still struggle with that, even all this time later. And it's almost as if the F1 powers that be are forgetting some of the legacy, the lineage, the history of the sport. So from all of us at the nerd, I want to say personally, you know, Godspeed to the Williams family and you are sorely missed absolutely and
1: I, I think i think you could tell that um it wasn't quite the same dynamic and okay you know they they're still a good team and they still have a a, a moral um of, of a family moral within the team but like you said matt drive to survive didn't even mention their departure and i know we're digressing but i think that's because the 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 newer fans which drive to survive is trying to target
3: they they don't know I think they think the newer fans are more interested in made-up rivalries between the two closest drivers on the grid. I can see Net- the Netflix series, it has brought in a lot of these new fans and it's it's done amazing things for Formula One. We're not discrediting that, but for a documentary that's supposed to sh- to show the fans all the sides of Formula One, for them not to include the departure of one of the, well, the most famous family that's ever been involved in this sport, I think it's quite disappointing, to be honest.
2: I couldn't agree with you more. I love Drive to Survive. I'm a big fan of it. I will wait every year for the day to come out and then watch it all in one go. But it is horribly fake for an F1 fan. Like They used 2019 radio clips on top of the 2020 season. They There was a piece of radio, I can't remember which driver it was, but... Someone said, these softs have gone off. And he was ha- had hards on his car at the time he said it. It's, it's, it's so artificial, some of it. And they have missed massive moments. Like, yes, they focused on Perez Insecure, but they missed George. <laughs> There's so many things they should have added in. Still love it, though.
1: They did. Uh, and I know we're digressing into Drive to Survive, but it's not something we've spoken about yet. And I think they did miss some key things, but they also managed to film this in the middle of a pandemic. So... Uh, but from, from what I could see, they only had access in probably four races, it seemed like to me, because that was the only four races that they seemed to cover throughout the whole season. I think, fair play to them, uh, it, they did miss some key parts. You know, They didn't even mention that Lewis Hamilton wasn't in a race due to COVID. I mean, that's pretty big deal for uh, the, the F1 community, isn't it? But how do you fit it all in? I don't know. I'm not a producer. I, I don't know. So there is one team in the 2021 season left that doesn't have any points. That is Alf Romeo. What did we think of them today?
2: They were close, 11th and 12th. They very nearly got some early points on the board. And that car looks a lot better than it did last year. So I think they could have quite a hopeful season. And if anyone's going to pick up the scraps when several cars don't finish, I think that will be the team that capitalizes on it
0: how about Antonio Giovinazzi I feel his form has elevated once again even closer you know when we first look at at first glance if you look at that driver lineup you go Kimi Raikkonen blah. you know former driver's champion he is one of the most polarizing characters on the grid you cannot knock his ability and his talents that Giovinazzi as we've always said on this podcast gets overlooked today's results show that he is there he they both drug what last year would have been a dog of a car to an 11th and 12th place finish but they had great qualifyings, they were consistent uh and as i waffled earlier when ollie uh, fed me that question you know seeing kimmy Riken and alonzo and seb all go together and it actually be almost close between those cars and it, it's wonderful to see another historical brand not quite make good but get better
1: Yeah, I I agree. I'm not sure I agree with the Giovanazzi bit, though. And that's because Kimmy started in 14th. Giovanazzi started in
0: 12th. Rum bet. I almost guarantee... I'll I'll put a wager right here to you now, Ollie, live in front of four people. (laughs) You do that. Which one of you is you? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I almost... I will. I will wager a tasty adult beverage of your choosing that Antonio Giovinazzi out-qualifies and or outscores Kimi Raikkonen over the course of this season. Okay, well, based
1: on the current data that we've got, that was a very silly wager, but I will take it, Matt. If we look back earlier
3: into the podcast, when Matt was saying how the Honda-powered teams have made the most progress from last season to this season, I think Alfa Romeo are the dark horses, and I feel like they've made... Quite a lot of progress on their car and I feel like they're the team that may have took the biggest leap since last year because uh, they, were, they were right at the bottom alongside Williams and Haas, I'd say, last year. And now, just to miss out on the points in
1: the season opener, I think that's pretty impressive. So the next on the grid was uh, Aston Martin, Mercedes. Finishing with one point today. Um, there's only one man that I think should talk about this, and that is the man who is dressed as Aston Martin Mercedes and Sebastian Vettel. Matt,
0: that's you. Yeah, let's, let's eat some crow on my end very quickly. Uh, <laughs> Lance Stroll? Oh, I wouldn't be so mad at him getting that point first instead of Seb, but it was a good, solid, consistent drive by him. Uh, Sebastian Vettel? Uh, I'm running out of my driver's racing excuses notebook for him, uh, with that penalty he got <laughs> for ignoring the double yellow at turn one. Uh, let's face it. He struggled all day. Uh, we knew it was going to be rough and I allowed my fangirling tendencies to take over and thinking that he would be a little bit more competitive than he was. Uh, he's still learning a new car. And yeah, with that being said, just give me one moment to make a point very quickly on that you know,
1: For the listeners, Matt has just walked on, And off. that's that. <laughs>
0: and he's returned. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> he's returned fully uh, in Ferrari gear. <laughs> I, it was an abysmal weekend to care about Sebastian Vettel at all. Uh, I think he's still adapting. He's still struggling. Lance Stroll seems to have a mastery of that car he does not yet, which is understandable, but unforgivable. So we will see if they can get things right for number five, but right now it's uh, dark times. It, it is indeed. It is indeed. And,
1: and we're just actually a bit confused of where Vettel finished today, because I thought it was 14th, but I mean, told 15th. it's 15th. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, said nice Vettel, he, he made the same mistake that he did in Silverstone, if you remember, when he took off Max Verstappen. It was the exact same mistake. Why, why does he do this? He should know how downforce works.
0: I am fully convinced at some points in the race, Sebastian Vettel just brain dumps all of his information and experience. And he just goes car, 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 brake, car, 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 brake. And doesn't think about the fact that we all know you lose downforce and stopping ability when underneath the diffuser of the car in front of you. With the exceptions of the spins, that has almost been the hallmark of Sebastian Vettel for the last few years. I still love you to death. I will still be here crying in my Aston Martin gear next week but I just it's hard to watch it's hard to support and I just want to see him turn around and remind people even for a moment who he is and what he's about yeah I I, I agree I mean we, we we thought that Vettel was going to outperform the stroll didn't we uh there's been a lot of talk about the Sebastian Vettel Aston Martin advertisement that's been running a lot over there did they have the audacity to play that after this race so this is exactly
1: what I was going to mention, was, by the way, that advert is good. The car in it is incredible. I, I actually think uh, Vettel did quite a good job in that advert. It's very honest, very real. But when he got kicked out of qualifying in Q1, they, it was the first advert they played. <laughs> and I thought, oh, of all the times to play this advert, it was actually, oh my God, Vettel's out in Aston Martin. Come and buy our car. Sponsored by Vettel, who's just got knocked out. It was um, uh, Dan. What did you think of Aston Martin?
2: Shambles is, I think, the best word to describe them. They, they, there was so much hype after their uh, launch with the livery, which looked amazing. They brought all these A-list stars in for the launch. Everyone was so ready, but they just, they haven't converted it into on-track performance. They have gone backwards since last year. Whether that is because of the whole brake duct fiasco that they obviously now aren't using those mercedes brake ducts. they've had to make their own i don't know but they just weren't what i expected them to be at all so again for them the only way is up really leading into future weekends
0: the only thing i will say left on aston martin is the biggest question mark i had for this weekend was why did they leave seb out so long with the heightened degradation they had on the tires and we don't. We're not going to go through the notes of he pitted on this lap and all that. We're just doing this off the top of our heads. But I remember sitting here screaming at the television. It's Ferrari all over again. Bring him in and give him a fighting chance. They're like, Nah. Let's see what you can do. You know, nothing to worry here. And it just the poor man has gone from Ferrari's historical misunderstanding of tactics and planning to Aston Martin. Finally, I'll have a strategist that knows what he's doing. Hey, Steph, we're going to have you stay out there a little bit longer.
1: Cool. All I'm going to say is there's a common thread here, isn't there? Yeah. The problem was apparently Ferrari, but the problem seems to be continuing. Um, One thing I, I thought was just lovely this weekend was the Aston Martin safety car. How good did that look? And more importantly, sound. I mean, when it came out in the F2 race, they must have stuck a camera right next to the exhaust, but it sounded like a monster. I don't want to see the Mercedes safety car again. Never thought I'd say that. And talk about Alpha Tauri. So they scored points today. Um, they scored two points today. So we had Gasly, who, who was obviously in the top for qualifying. We had Sonoda, who should have been in the top for qualifying, but didn't. Um, what did, what did you think of these guys on, on, on track? Uh, Dan, I'm going to pass it to you.
2: I think well, Alvatari are really good this season. We we know we know that. We've seen them in testing, there was a lot of hype about them in testing, and they lived up to that hype, I'd say, this weekend. They got unlucky during qualifying. I think Sonoda just didn't judge his runs right. And they got unlucky in the race as well, with um Gasly losing his front wing with contact with Ricardo, which I thought was quite funny as well, because Ricardo lost his front wing in his first race with Renault in twenty nineteen. And he's caused gasly to lose his front wing in his first race with mclaren which just made me laugh was that when
1: um ricardo went airborne over he the, just went over on the, the grass and just <laughs> yeah, ran yeah, over it yeah
2: yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um but no i i've said in a previous podcast i really rate Sonoda. i watched him a lot in f2 i think he will be really good at this year and really push gasly and gasly's incredible we know how good gasly is
1: yeah and well, we, we do know how incredible Gasly is, but he didn't have a great race. He finished in
0: uh, 17th today. Bit
1: of a disaster for Gasly, right? Matt, what do you reckon?
0: Well, he didn't finish in 17th. He was just 17th because he was the last to DNF. Uh, I'm gutted for him. Uh, Gasly has won my heart. Uh, I didn't really rate him very highly until the Antoine Hubert incident, which is horrible for me to really pay attention to him because of that. But you cannot help but love the man's spirit. You know, gets looked over, uh, passed over for Alex Albon when they demote him down. Then at the end of the season, they're getting rid of Albon, and they go, mm, nah, son, you're good where you're at. So I think we have not seen the best that Pierre Gasly has to offer yet, even, even including his win last year. Uh, if he can string everything together, that man is going to surprise people up and down the grid consistently as long as he can keep his wings attached uh, throughout the season.
1: I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think he is already surprising people. Uh, and I think he's he, he's embarrassing Red Bull. It's, it's quite frankly what he's doing, you know. So Alpha AlphaTauri in a way. It's, you know, they did say last year, oh, we're going to be the sister team now. You know, it's more equal. We all thought, yeah, 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 yeah. But it is looking that way. But Pierre Gasly, they... It just shows that the Red Bull number two seat was cursed. Don't you think, Dan?
2: Yeah, basically, it's the best way of putting it. I think a lot of credit needs to go to Franz Tost as well. He does a remarkable job with the resources he's given. And Gasly has to escape that Red Bull driver programme this year. Otherwise, I just, I can't see his career going anywhere. We saw in Drive to Survive, Christian Horner doesn't really like Gasly yes it may have been dramatized as most things in that series are as we've already mentioned but I can't see him going back to Red Bull and he's not going to want to spend his whole career at AlphaTauri so he needs to escape that driver program this um silly season or I just think he'll just sort of plateau and not go anywhere
1: yeah but Christian Horner doesn't like Gasly because he took him out and it he proved him wrong so he, he can't suddenly he, he can't go back on that you know it was a decision which he's just made again with albon so i mean albon's out of f1 so we can't compare him to in a different team now but the argue, the argument can very easily be made well look at gasly um and i think that's why it has to work with perez this year you know it's, it, otherwise they they are going to fall apart but we're not talking about red bull we are talking about alpha tauri um Alex, what do you what, what do you make of it and their performance today?
3: Well, I, I tell you who I've got my eye on. I've got my eye on his, on Gasly's teammate Sonoda. Um, that 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 man had a brilliant uh, debut race today, and he's he's impressed me uh, ever since he he joined uh, through testing and everything. That is a small man with big balls, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> the radio yeah. message when he was stuck in traffic, uh, he has settled into Formula One brilliantly. And I can't wait to see what this, this man can do. Uh, he's an he's an exciting driver out on track and a brilliant result today to get into the points. I'm sure I've said that before, but I'll just say it again. A great debut.
2: You stole the point I was going to make there about the radio message, but I said on a few podcasts ago, I said, he's such a nice guy in interviews. As long as he can not be a nice guy on the track, then I think he'll do really well in f1 and then yeah his first flying lap in fp one and he's like oh come on i got effing traffic he's just like he's not going to be lovely in f1 and i was really pleased to see it so i think he'll do really well
1: yeah he's certainly not as sweet as he looks is he um and 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 i love that because like i said earlier on i got him wrong Uh, i i didn't think he was going to be this machine that he is so thank you for proving me wrong i always love to be proven wrong Uh, And that brings me nicely on to Ferrari today, who scored 12 points. I mean, Matt, you've had a costume change. You're now fully in Ferrari gear. (laughs) I'm
0: Um, back. (laughs) It was a bit of a result for them, you know, the whole weekend really, wasn't it? It really was. uh, I labelled Ferrari best of the rest coming into the season as kind of a joke. I fully expected McLaren to run away and embarrass them. Which is kind of cool to see that old battle come back around. Uh, It's a lot of fun. But uh, the driver that surprised me the most was Carlos Sainz from Ferrari. Uh, You know, we're talking a driver in a new system, new team, new aerodynamic principles. You know, first race in the car to come out and not put a foot wrong, just have a quiet, professional, solid race and come eighth is even more surprising to me than the Charles Leclerc finishing in sixth. You know, I labeled him Mr. Consistency, dragging a dog of a car last year to a couple good points finishes. Uh, You know, Ferrari battling McLaren was great to see. To put in perspective, I don't think they'll even take third this year. Uh, But anything's an improvement off last year. They're not going to drop the ball and fall that far down the order again. Uh, And that's one one of the solid lineups of this year for the drivers. You know, not to knock my hero, but Sebastian Vettel let that team down last year, full stop. So by having somebody who can be a consistent points getter, if not, you know, challenging for the lead, but somebody you can guarantee to get points in Carlos Science will only benefit this team in the long run.
3: And let's not forget as well, Science has come into, and come in and settled down quite well in not just any team. It's Ferrari, uh, which is a team that's in the past proved to have broken some of the greatest drivers this sport's ever had. So I think that just speaks volumes for how well science performed today. Even if it was on the lower end of the points, it was a pretty, I say it was pretty uneventful, actually. He made quite a clumsy move on Sebastian Vettel uh, at the start of the race at Turn 10, which uh, that might have, um, that damaged Seb's car. It took some um, plating off the side of it, so maybe that might have been a factor into why Vettel's race was so woeful, but I digress. Signs did have a, a pretty good debut, and to do that for Ferrari, it speaks volumes.
1: Yeah, he, he was only eight seconds behind his teammate Leclerc in the end. And the only people that beat him was Danny Ricardo in a McLaren, Perez in a, a Red Bull, and Lando in a McLaren, and then obviously the Mercedes. But in my opinion, that's a good result for them. It's it, it's as good as... Well, it's the best I could have thought. Uh, better than one of the best I could have it's, thought. It's definitely
0: better than I would have guessed coming off of the heels of last year. Uh, you know, I was optimistic... I think, in saying that, you know, a Charles Eclair seventh and a Signs 11th or 12th was about my guess. Even though they did show signs of improvement in testing, I did not foresee this result, and hopefully they can keep it up. Hopefully it's just not a flash of the pan in luck.
2: Journalists and fans alike always talk about this two-pronged attack that teams need to have in order to get anywhere in the constructors. They didn't have that last year. They've got, this, this, they've got that this year which I think is going to make such a big difference. We know how good science is from his consistency in the McLaren. So I think that's, that was a great signing, in my view.
1: Yeah, and, and there were some really good on-track battles with Ferrari today, where you know usually that Ferrari engine would just, on a straight, they would just, see you later. Um, but the Ferrari was able to come back and fight, and I, I found that very exciting. I thought, I thought both of the drivers uh, fought well on track as well. Um, Alex? Uh, yeah Le- leclerc was in p3 at one point was he not
3: early on he was uh, having a nice little duel with bottas before he eventually fell back in and amongst the mclarens where he probably belongs <laughs> but um yeah it was a it, it was a pretty good start from uh, from charles and a good race from
0: him as well and i think with his duel with bottas i won't say he delayed the inevitable uh, but i almost wonder if it could be due to the lack of condition data that they had with Brian today. Uh, So it'll be very curious for me to see if he can maintain that level of competitiveness through multiple tracks, multiple setups and multiple running conditions. Uh, It's still early days. You know, I won't base the entire season off of one race. Hopefully the drivers don't either, but it bodes well. It's up to them now to maintain that level of competitiveness. So if he can finish the season, at least holding Botas at bay, sorry, Dan, I'll be happy but if it's just a continuation of Botas you know rolling down the window laughing at him as he goes by then that's what it's going to be
1: Um, Dan do you think um, that Leclerc needs to work on his on his self-confidence I mean the guy is he anything he does wrong he is his worst critic and do, do, does that let him down or does that make him better what, what do you make of that?
2: To answer the first question of does he need to work on his self-confidence, I'd say no. I don't think he does. He's a, I don't want to say complete driver in himself because he's so young, but if he makes a mistake, yes, he will criticise himself for the mistake, but you'll never see him make the same mistake twice, at least not two weekends in a row anyway. So no, I I don't think, I think him being harsh on himself is the method that works for him. For some drivers, it doesn't work, but I think in his case, he's got it, nailed on exactly how he is
1: in third
2: in the constructors championships today
1: we had mclaren mercedes they've strapped a new engine in the back and they have put themselves in third now i thought they were going to do a bit better than they did but actually they finished in third overall round so it's a pretty solid performance but the man who impressed me today was lando what a race lando drove an exceptional race uh
0: He had a great qualifying session to give himself the best position to maintain throughout. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, though, you know, the last of the late breakers, as we talk about him, had very, very little on-track action, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. I don't know if it was a uncomfortability, if the shifting winds got to him, or maybe he just had a setup that was not optimized for him. Uh, I don't think it's to the point at all to where Red Bull were last year talking about the disparity between their drivers at all. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are human. They're going to make mistakes. And Daniel Ricciardo didn't really make any huge glaring mistakes. He just didn't deliver to the level that we're used to seeing him deliver. I feel, uh, if he wants to jump in on that, you know, I'm open for interpretation, but I just, I was underwhelmed, I guess is the word I'll use for it.
2: I think just to play devil's advocate, it's his first race in a new team, new engine, everything's new for ricardo even when he went from red bull he kept the renault engine when he went to renault they had renault at that point i think i'm correct in saying um so everything is different for daniel ricardo and if you're comparing him to lando lando's got two years experience at the team i he will improve that we know how good daniel is he's got seven race wins under his belt he got podiums for renault who Probably shouldn't have had podiums last year. It's just a matter of time for Daniel.
0: I don't think it's fair to compare Daniel Ricciardo to Lando Norris in that car. You know, time and seat is a massive advantage for Lando Norris. However, if we're looking at the other drivers in new cars who, you know, overperformed on a quote-unquote debut for a team, Yuki Tsunoda outdrove what I think anybody's expectations would have been for him. Daniel Ricciardo is so great a driver, and we all know this, that it almost we expect something superhuman from him because he's so consistently delivered that in the past. Uh, You know, it's in no way a bad showing. I think there was more he could have done in some way or form.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to, to build on that Perez finished in fifth and we all know what happened to Perez, right? So, I mean, we'll we'll get on to Perez in a minute, but the fact that Perez finished in sixth, uh, sorry, fifth in a brand new team, and ricardo finished in 7th yeah okay maybe it wasn't the best race for danny rick i think um he, he was strong all through the testing um he was good in qualifying uh, sorry in practice you know i think i think he'll he'll, he'll get there um i've got faith in danny rick he's he's a solid driver and i just think there wasn't anything extraordinary today so we probably didn't see him on tv as much Dan?
2: It's such a big season for Danny Rick and for Lando Norris. They both know they need to perform. If one completely demolishes the other in terms of championship points, that's not career over, but that will define them in terms of getting a top seat in the future, especially Lando. But even Daniel, he might want to move from McLaren one day if the opportunity in the not too distant future arises. I think it's such an important season for them. He's going to be going all out to try and do the best he can. Maybe he just pushed it a bit too far today. But they're things he'll learn over the course of the season. The the only thing I would say
1: um, is that Daniel Ricciardo is the reason that Ferrari aren't in third
0: in the championship right now.
1: Matt, what do you take on that?
0: Uh, Absolutely on that. He did hold up some traffic behind. Uh, And I'm going to play devil's advocate on Dan again. You know, a little little rivalry between the two underperforming drivers that we support. Uh, I think if anybody's under more pressure at McLaren, it is Daniel Ricciardo. Because Daniel Ricciardo has this history. You know, he's had the quote-unquote top seat with Red Bull. That could have been, in the right circumstances, if he had stuck that out, a championship-contending drive. And he could have continued to deliver at that level and stayed there. Daniel Ricciardo is always looking for the next step up. Unfortunately, it's not panned out that way for him. So I think, you know, with the time he's done with all these different teams, he finally has to pick somebody to say, this is where I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it instead of trying to jump around. You know I mean? A couple of years ago, Ferrari could have been the, you know, that'll be my best chance to take a driver's championship. Not the case anymore. So that option is almost gone, which granted 2022, maybe he's looking ahead that far. But I think, you know, Dan Ricardo has got to finally pick a landing point, find somebody he gels with and do a quote unquote long run to have a chance for a team to build around him to capitalise. I
1: I absolutely think that's what McLaren is for him because he didn't give Renault long enough. It was clear that he wasn't in it for the long run. And if he had been, he probably would have stayed at Renault because they were doing really well. Um, He was ready to jump ship to McLaren straight away. And do you know what? I think it's going to be the team where he has the best chance. I think, um, you know, looking back, he didn't know if it was going to be a good move going to McLaren. It's turned out, from what we've seen so far, to be a good move. I think... um, uh, you know, I, I think once he's settled in, we're going to see a lot more from Danny. Do I think he's going to win a world championship with McLaren? No. I think I think Danny incredibly up against it uh, with his teammate Norris.
3: Because for me, he Norris, uh, especially last season, has developed into quite a quite a mature. Is off track? He's not very mature, but on track, he's a very mature driver and has developed into one of the strongest young drivers on the grid. I'd say, and. For Daniel to move in from Renault, join the new team. There's only so much experience can do for you, and up against Lando, it's going to be tough to beat him this year. It,
1: it, it is, but again, if you've got those two consistent drivers, that that beats the one good driver versus the uh, the, the, the not so good driver or or the struggling driver. Which lovely link into Red Bull. Lovely. Um, Red Bull second. They scored 28 points today and most of that is because Perez yet again had the comeback. Uh, It's just incredible what this man does in Bahrain. (laughs) What is it about Bahrain and Perez and being in last to coming back? Uh, what What a drive and We'll talk about Max in a minute, but let's talk about Perez now. I mean, uh, Dan, what, what did you think of Perez today? I thought it was game over, like you said, from before the race started.
2: Oh, he was exceptional today. I was gutted when I saw him pull over. I, I sort of said out loud to myself, I was the only one in the room. I was like, oh, no, surely not. Um, I, I was so disappointed. And then when he got it going, I was so surprised. I was kind of like, whoa, I just, you know, because it looked like he was going to give up. Um, and then the comeback drive he produced was incredible, you know, starting from the pit late and he wouldn't have had a lot of tire temperature when he started, he got helped out by the safety car caused by the flying hats into the wall, um, to get back with the field, but his racecraft is just exceptional. The the first one, number nine, his racecraft's just exceptional. He's probably the best on the grid for racecraft, managing tires. And that's what he gives Red Bull the ability to go with the alternate strategy, which they couldn't do with Albon because he was too far behind.
1: What, what could Perez have done today if he qualified a lot higher up the grid? Matt, I'm going to ask you this one.
0: You took my question I was going to pose to everybody. You know, Checo is exceptional when he is the dog chasing the rabbit. Uh, you know, last year, at the end of the year, with his uh, amazing win, you know, like I said in the little pre-warm-up, once he's able to just vent everything out of his brain and stop worrying and just drive, he excels on a level that very few can in this sport. Uh, we talk about the importance of having a solid number two, you know, maybe this was Checo, you know, getting rid of the Red Bulls second seat curse the hard way by having that bug. Maybe it was Lewis Hamilton worrying about Red Bull and figuring out whatever that little engine glitch he was had a couple of years ago and putting that in his car. Uh, you know, it, it played in well, for him because now he has a little bit better understanding i feel that if he had just had a tire management race you know that doesn't give you a feel for the car on the edge as well as he will have today from being forced to chase down the entire flipping field and do as well as he did and not to you know some people i've heard in cnr facebook talking about oh well last year he went from last to first blah 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 the field has advanced overall as a whole so it's unfair to criticize him for not doing a last to first this race. We had to accept that there are unknowns with with this car. He's not as familiar with it as he was in Racing Point, but nobody else would have pulled off that drive. And I stand by that top to bottom. Nobody could have done what Checo did today, and it will only benefit him in the end. If he starts at the top and stays there, that would have been helped help for Mr. Verstappen. And I fully believe the numbers could change on who's one and two in the constructors.
1: Okay, so Alex, I'm going to aim this at you. Do you think now that the Red Bull curse is going? Is it gone? Because, okay, we thought from qualifying, it's still there. It's definitely still there. And by the way, the Red Bull curse is a real thing. It it, it started when Verstappen turned up. Um, And it is a real thing. It's factual. If you don't believe it, Google it. Or just believe me. is Perez going to be the man who takes this away? If anyone can do it, I think Checo can. Because the uh,
3: level of experience he's had in Formula One, I think it won't take him long to adapt to this tricky Red Bull second seat that the younger drivers have struggled to um, get used to over the past few years. And he, well, he's already shown it today. He, I don't think last year Alex Albon would have been able to pull off a comeback drive like that in that seat. And... Perez has just done it again. And the way he was driving today, it was like he'd been in that car for a good few races now. And he said before, uh, he said before this race weekend, it would take him at least five races, he thought, to get used to the car. And by the looks of it, it only took him five laps.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what Red Bull needed was they needed an experienced driver who's driven lots of different cars over the years, You know, Perez is a a seasoned driver to come in and turn it round. Because if you've got Gasly, who's still, uh, you know, new to F1, if you've got uh, Albon, who's still new to F1, these guys haven't got that experience to turn it round and help Red Bull themselves turn it round. So maybe Perez is that man. And, you know, I'd love to see him there next year again. I I think he's, I I hope he's secured a, a future in F1 now. And back when we were, watching Drive to Survive. It's almost insane that he didn't know if he was going to have a race this year. You know, it is, it's is—it's just madness, isn't it? Um At Perez, should we talk about the pole sitter? The man who dominated practice. Max Verstappen. Who wants to uh, take the lead on this one? Well, I, I think it was definitely
3: Max's race to lose. And... He lost it. And it it was it it, it that, that it that it was it all came down to that move at turn five around the outside you you going off the track limits and being penalised for it straight away. Um whether he could have handed the position back in a better place on track, that that will probably haunt him. Uh, because he just gave it back to Lewis straight away, who just thought, "Oh, thank you, nice one." Now, now I'll take that advantage, and I'll see you on the podium. Uh, it was just he—he he will definitely, being the person he is, he will definitely come out of Bahrain feeling very disappointed with how the race went today, no doubt.
1: And so he should. He qualified on pole. He had a car that could have won it. Um, it was—it was a bad series of events, and it wasn't even a bad series of events. It was. When he needed to perform, he didn't. Um, Matt, I I know you're a bit spicy on this one. Um, Don't give me your Lewis thoughts yet. We'll get to that. But in terms of Verstappen and what what his influence was,
0: Max Verstappen round the outside, round the outside. It just you have to admire the tenacity and the drive of Max Verstappen. Uh, without going too deep into detail about what I feel about Mr. Uh, excuse me, the Sir, sir? on the grid. Sir? Yeah, I better better come correct. Uh, Max Verstappen had every opportunity to seize this win. Uh, at the very end of the race, there was traffic in front of Lewis Hamilton that would have allowed him to catch up with the sector times. What was Max Verstappen taking out like half a second in sector two, towards or around like lap forty seven? Uh, You know, I fully expected him to catch him up quicker than the projected lap uh, lap 51. Didn't happen. Dang, I keep wanting to make a point. It's going to be about Lewis. Basically, it was on Max. He was there, and I feel he did everything right except for choosing when he did that overtake. He did not have to attempt that move there. He could have stayed in the slipstream, stayed behind, and utilized DRS on the main straight, and then left Lewis Hamilton in the dust. I think that was over-eagerness. I think that was, you know, the lion mentality in him coming out, which can be his greatest asset. It can be his greatest downfall. Uh, you know, you can't, what's the old adage? Uh, once you go for a move it's there, no no longer go for a move that's there, you shouldn't be a racing driver. We don't have to worry about that from Max Verstappen. We have to worry about him making the move when it's legal, full stop, and when he's able to actually make it stick. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you
1: know, Alex, as a as a fellow Mercedes fan, what did you think about this?
3: Well, it's it's like um, the legendary Murray Walker said, uh, catching up is one thing, overtaking is a whole nother game. And uh, he just he he at two occasions during the Grand Prix, he caught up to Lewis, he caught up to Lewis and uh, put the pressure on, but he just couldn't pull off. The, the final move when it counted and like like Matt said that is his over-eagerness I think and it may be his I don't I don't know lack of experience he's still young and he he has been in Formula 1 for a long time but he hasn't had he hasn't had many strong battles like that for a race lead and I think that lack of experience especially towards the start of this season might um, be his downfall and he has got the stronger car this year we've seen and if he keeps if he keeps making mistakes like that it could be what costs him the world championship
1: i think it's it's underestimating your competition yes max verstappen is an incredible driver but you are underestimating the man that you are trying to overtake and his skill set dan what what do you think
2: i think Max has been in F1 for seven years now, I believe, which is a career in itself for most drivers. He's only 23 and he's never had a car to challenge for the title as closely as it looks like this year is going to be. So it's a new situation for him as well. So although it seems like he knows everything, he's going to be learning on the job a lot, which someone like Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, if he gets his act together, have... Maybe I'm biased saying Bottas. I, I hope. Um, we'll yeah. get there. Dan. We'll get there. <laughs> um but they've had the experience in that title challenging car. Max hasn't. He won't necessarily know what to do in week in, week out, wheel to wheel battles at the front. So I don't know how that'll affect him. If anyone's gonna get on top of it quickly, it'd be Max. But equally, if anyone's gonna blow an opportunity, it'd be Max through a first corner crash. Sorry, Max fans.
0: There's an old adage. That uh, old age and cunning beats youth and enthusiasm every time. I think today we saw that play out on the racetrack. Uh, and with we're not going to discuss him yet, but if Max Verstappen is relying on simply putting pressure on Lewis Hamilton to allow him to make the, over, the overtake, not going to cut it. There is that extra step, that extra oomph, that extra little bit of magic dust that he needs to find and consistently deliver upon to be able to eclipse Lewis Hamilton for the Drivers' Championship. He's very close. But to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory with the superior car, the superior setup, everything played into his hands this week, and it still didn't happen. Yes, we'll discuss why (laughs) here momentarily, but I still think that shows that Max Verstappen has a little bit of progress to make, no matter how raw, talented he is. Absolutely, and and that takes us
1: beautifully into uh, the current constructors' champions, with forty-one points. That is Mercedes. Um, let's talk about Bottas first because we we we've said that Max Verstappen he knows how to bully, right? And it, it didn't work on someone, but it did work on Bottas. Bottas didn't have a great pre-season test practice qualifying where's his head at and dan you are a uh, self-admitted Baltas fan which is absolutely fine you you may have seen his ass on drive to survive as well
2: but that was a great scene i've got to admit <laughs> <laughs> do you have that poster on your wall dan <laughs> no not yet not yet
1: yeah I, i'm not sure at what point they decided to put that in there, but uh, yeah, it caught. Don't know, the, don't care. It caught the entire F one world off, off guard. Did you see Bottas's backside? <laughs> um, anyway, we're not talking about his backside. We're talking about his race today. So, um, Dan, as a fan, how 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 did you see it?
2: Well, firstly, Bottas should have won today because there's a full moon tonight. So that would say after seeing his entire backside he should have won and he didn't. Anyway yeah, that's cuz his
1: backside shouldn't have been on the fucking program in the first place. Um
2: but no oh, why can't he just win a race? Like I love I will I love Bottas so I will love Bottas as long as he's in Formula 1. I'll love Bottas whatever he chooses to do after Formula 1. He, yes, do the heart sign, but he does need to get better. Like he comes into this season saying, you know, it's a new me, Bottas 26.2, whatever we're on now. Um, <laughs> but That's such a good point.
1: Well, he, he, he's been on oh yeah, version 1.2, then it was Bottas 2.0. Every time he wins a race, he goes on to a new version, doesn't he? Um, There's only so much porridge can do for one man. Porridge
3: and porridge, coffee.
2: Porridge and coffee, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I don't want to slate Bottas because I love Bottas, but he doesn't get a lot of luck. I will say that. Like, Of course the pit stop blunder happens to Bottas. Of course it happens. Like, It wouldn't happen to Hamilton. But equally, he had a poor start. He got overtaken by Leclerc. And then Max and Lewis just pulled out into the lead. He wasn't able to keep up with them. But either way, Valtteri, if you're listening, you're not. But please... Message me, do something.
0: (laughs) Come now, come now, young Dan. If we're going to talk about bad luck, bad luck does not open up to a 31-second gap between you and the man running in second. That is the inability Mm -hmm. to close the gap.
1: Yeah, Bottas did not
0: have the pace. And and actually, it... (laughs) Dan has left. (laughs) Dan has left the (laughs) room. Dan's doing a lie-down protest right now.
1: But to be fair... Just waiting a few Headphones back on.
2: There we go. To be fair, Bottas himself said it wasn't the pit stop that cost the race. No, it wasn't the pit stop that cost the race. It definitely wasn't. It didn't help. Um, but no, he isn't great around Bahrain. Like it's not one of his best tracks. He's don't think he's ever won at Bahrain. Race, maybe, uh... maybe once. Um, for, as we get later in the season, he went well at Imola last year. To be fair. Except for the fact he had half a Ferrari front wing lodged in him, so he lost all sorts of time. I
1: I recall him going off the track, actually.
2: Yeah, well, he picked up (laughs) half of a Ferrari front wing. No, I mean, I'm just rambling on now because I'm trying to defend him, but he needs to improve later in the season. I still think he can win the title. I'm going to stop talking about Bottas.
1: I personally think Bottas needs to stop talking because he's putting all of this pressure on himself. It's. It's all. I'm coming back stronger. I'm going to be more selfish. I'm going to do this.
0: I'm going to do that, dude. Don't don't talk about it. Just do it. Like like. It's don't... like he's giving him. It's like he's giving himself number nine syndrome, and that the more he talks about how he's new and improved, and you know, last year it was three so my beard's longer. This year I've shaved the beard and I showed my bum. You know, like, is this the year? It just just focus on the task at hand. Vent all of that external pressure, the politicking, the comparisons, the Botos spin zone, the Botas lawnmower service, all of that, and focus on the job at hand. You know, you have one simple metric for success as a second driver at Mercedes. That's how close can you finish to Lewis Hamilton. If your numbers aren't there, figure it out. You're there for a reason. Botas is not an untalented driver. He was phenomenal at Williams. So what has changed? If you're in the best car, you know, it's there. He has it within him. And I'm not like wearing the Botas shirt like Dan and singing his praises, but, you know, I've had to eat the crow of a lot of the problems with Seb have been because of Seb. A lot of the problems with Botas have been because of Botas. And it's, it, it's there, it's make or break time.
1: Well, it's not. I mean, who was it who was commentating? Someone over the weekend at Sky Sports said, yeah, he's doing his job as, as, the, as the wingman for Lewis. And that was a joke at one point, but now it's, it's an accepted fact. But the only person who hasn't accepted that is Valtteri Bottas.
2: If Damn. he was to accept that, there is no point in him being a Formula One driver. Yeah, there if he's is, he's he gets and, paid
1: seven million quid a year. That's a reason nah, to, I'd be a wingman for seven million quid a year.
2: <laughs> if, he's, if he's sat there and going, yeah, fair play, I'll take team orders. Lewis is better than me, off you pop. There's no point in him carrying on racing at all. If he doesn't have that self-belief in himself, which he has in abundance, he'd be worse than he is.
0: Well, the man's it's, obviously com- comfortable in his own skin. Driver Survive showed that. Hmm
2: and comfortable out of his own clothes as well.
3: I just hope he doesn't make an ass of himself this year.
2: (laughs) Oh, it took so long for a pub, didn't it? You can only
0: get bombed by Lewis Hamilton so many times.
2: (laughs) The cheek of you guys saying that is shocking. Oh,
1: why didn't I think of these before we started? Okay, well, that takes us on the final man of the evening, the race winner, the seven-time world champion, um, Lewis Hamilton. The... Sorry, oh, God. Let me stop that again. Sir Lewis Hamilton, um, I think he's he's come back with with a vengeance. He he doesn't he's not phased, is he? Yeah,
3: it's only the car. I think he's put all he silenced those critics today. I'd say personally, he um, he had the slower car on tyres that were ten laps older, and he. He put on a great defense. He he made it as difficult as possible for Verstappen to get around him, uh, which proved to be Verstappen's undoing. Uh, he, I, I think he drove one of his strongest races
1: in an, uh, one of his strongest races. I think uh, m- lots of motor racing fans think it's all about the attack. It it's who's faster. It it's a lot of motorsport is the defending. Right. Half of it is mode motor, uh, in motorsport is defending. And that's what Sir did today. Dan, what did you make of it?
2: After George drove the Mercedes in Secure last year, brilliantly, everyone was saying there's no point hiring Lewis Hamilton, paying him £40 million, whatever it is, a year when you can hire George Russell for £1 million a year and get the same effect. Today proved why there is a point. That experience that Lewis has to fend possibly the most attackive driver on the grid off for that long, showed he's worth the money that Mercedes paid for him.
0: I will also say two things on this. Number one, Lewis Hamilton is that rare breed, that rare mix of the ability to maintain pace while maintain his tires. Uh, I don't know what sort of secret pill, secret government program, or other planet this man comes from. It is unfair to us mere mortals, of the human race to try and race a man that can have 10 lap older tires and still be, you know, matching pace for most of the time in the race where it's going to get a little bit spicy. And I would love to hear your all's takes on this would be the track limits discussion that has erupted, ignited and exploded all over the F1 community today about the stewards and the numbers of times that somebody quote unquote, didn't gain an advantage. And I'm not saying he did. The man drove, the man adhered to the rules and the guidelines. But Lewis Hamilton knows what he's doing. This is the same man that quoted saying last week, I know the rules. So yeah.
1: so what you're saying, Matt, is there was, um, it was at the end of uh, turn four, um, mm-hmm. where uh, the FIA said, we'll keep it under review, but essentially we're not going to be penalizing for track limits in this area, didn't they? So the drivers are using it. That's great. You know They're all using it. That's fine. But then will... Max uses it for the overtake and has to give the position back. What difference does that make if you're doing it on a normal lap or you're overtaking there? If the FIA consider that part of the racetrack, it's part of the racetrack. You either penalise or you don't penalise. I'm very, very um, split, split over this. And I'm a Hamilton fan, but that... It doesn't stack up. It's like you're telling one person off, but you're not telling the other off. Um, I understand the rule that you can't overtake off the track, but then you shouldn't be allowed to drive off the track in the first place.
3: I think that um, what what caused Verstappen to have to give the position back was it was a, a blatantly clear advantage that he gained. In He gained a position, he gained first place. And... I the the what was it twenty nine times that Lewis Hamilton apparently went off of the went off track limits whilst he was just driving around trying to maintain his lead. I think that's it's quite difficult for the the stewards to de- decipher whether he did or didn't gain an advantage because you, you can't really tell uh, when he's out there on his own. But when Max clearly makes a move and gains a position, it's much easier for them to say, oh, he's getting advantage there. And the, the, the order was given straight away, literally three corners later, hand the position back, hand the position back. And I and I, I was thinking, if was it Red Bull who made the call to Verstappen to give the position back, or did the stewards tell Red Bull to tell Verstappen
1: to give the position back? I, I, I'm not sure, but I think... Uh, Lewis did radio, but I think that was a little later... I'm not sure. Put it this way. They didn't have time for Lewis to radio, the stewards to review it, all within three corners. That's Christian Horner saying, you took the corner off track.
2: Dan? Yeah, Max's race engineer came over the radio and said, give the position back for now. So I think they did it awaiting confirmation. And then if not, they would have been a bit stuck really. Um, But I think the FIA shot themselves in the foot a bit with the term of, if he's gained a clear advantage, you'll we'll penalise him. Because where do you draw that line of gaining an advantage? Like when Lewis was defending from Max and using track limits to gain a bit more time, is that gaining an advantage, is gaining an advantage only a clear overtake? They didn't make that clear. I, I don't think that helped.
1: I've always, I stick by this. I've always had this opinion, um, which is a racetrack has lines around it. If you have two wheels over that line defining what the racetrack is, you should be penalized. It it doesn't really make a difference, you know. And they're taking a wider line there for a reason. So there is an advantage. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it 29 times. Um, if it's on a straight and someone rams you off, that's very different. But if if you are purposefully going off the track, you're doing it for a reason. Matt, what do you make on it?
0: So there's a couple points I'd like to make on this. Number one, have you all seen what Toto Wolf said about the track limits rule? Uh, there's an article that just came out on the race saying that, quote unquote, F1's Shakespearean novel on rules needs simplifying. That's from the team principal of the man whose team just won. Uh, I think the same way that with litigation and legal parlance, you know, we get hung up on words. If we use the word an advantage, obviously... Overtaking through quote-unquote illegal means is an unfair advantage. But how is that any more illegal than exceeding track limits to gain an advantage in time? You can't pass unless you're able to catch up and take time out of your opponent. So by exceeding the track limits, you are gaining an advantage. However, the other thing is we can lay out in the F1 regulations, we can lay out specific dimensions for how long, for instance, the strikes on the backside of the rear diffuser are. So if we can be that precise and that exacting in our verbal parlance for that, why can we not say it's two wheels over and it's illegal? It's four wheels over and it's illegal, full stop. You know, if we can't take certain liberties with the design of a car, we shouldn't be able to take certain liberties with the actual racetrack itself. That all being said, the rules are enforced by humans. It's all open to interpretation. The second thing being, once Lewis Hamilton got the warning about potentially getting a black and white flag, he stopped. Lewis, or excuse me, Max Verstappen did not get the black and white flag. He was told to give it back because they knew it was going to be a penalty coming no matter what. In the end, this was the right result. It's It may sting. It may hurt some people to hear me say that. This is coming from a man that's not a Lewis Hamilton fan. At the end of the day, the rules are the rules. So until the rules are changed, we have to adhere to them the best that we can.
2: I think it was so clear that Verstappen had gone off the track in that overtake of Hamilton. If he hadn't have given the position back and Verstappen had kept that win, this social media outcry would have been so much worse than it is that Verstappen didn't win. And even mm. within the paddock, it would have—it mm. was so got clear and obvious. Facebook,
0: it's still
1: bad. <laughs> it was... don't, get, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think that that wasn't. He should have been. You know, he should have had to give him the position back. Absolutely. I think that as a racer, it doesn't matter which way round it was. But what I think is that if if your lap time is deleted in qualifying for using that area, why the hell are you allowed to use that in the race? It's inconsistency. It's you know in tennis you have lines. If you cross it, it's it you, you lose. You, you know you get the point gives over. Why is that different in motor racing? I do not understand this, and it, it absolutely needs clarifying because it's not the first time this has happened. It's happened so many times. And
0: in twenty eighteen with Max. Yep.
1: And I can think of many times with Lewis as well, where he's been penalised for doing it. It has to be the same for practice, qualifying, the race. Why change it? I'm just glad that it was settled there and then on track. Can you imagine the scenes if
3: Verstappen crossed the line thinking he'd won and was in the cool, well, not the cool down room, but was by the uh, where, where they do the cool down now and was then told, oh, by the way, you've come
1: second because you've got a five second time penalty. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And uh, Max is now under investigation, or and then we're all sitting for two hours after wondering who's won it. I'll give you that. At least we didn't have to go through that.
0: Or a Red Bull mechanic headbutting the wall in the pit lane, like. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but you know, I think it was a. To summarize, it was an incredible drive from Lewis. I think he Max should have won that race, um, and I, I truly believe that. I think it was. Like you said, Alex, at the very beginning, it was Max's to lose, and he lost it. Um, but you're going against a seven-time world champion. These things are going to happen. Lewis has got that experience. Um, what I'd like from you guys is uh, we'll go around the table. We're going to have your race rating. So out of 10, how would you rate this race? And also your driver of the day. It's been a while since we've done this, hasn't it? Um Alex, I'm going to start with you today. So out of 10, how would you rate this? And who was your uh, most impressive driver of the day?
3: For me, the race would have to be an eight out of 10. The only reason I wouldn't pump it up any higher was because the action only really came towards the end. It was more of a strategic battle uh, midway through the race. And my driver of the day would have to be um, Sergio Perez for his comeback drive from what looked to be a retirement before the race had even
1: started. So that's Mm -hmm. my take. Okay.
2: Uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you next. Um, I'd agree with the 8 out of 10. I'd maybe push it to a 9 out of 10 because of the varied pit stop strategies in the middle. We had some people doing a three stop, which you don't see very often in races nowadays. And it just adds that excitement of, oh, could something go wrong in a pit stop? Which it did to Bottas of all people. Um, Driver of the day, for the sake of being different, I'm going to say Lando Norris, fourth in the McLaren, I believe. That's a great drive from him, and really
0: making a statement in
2: that team with Ricardo as his teammate.
0: Uh, Matt, I'm struggling with my race rating on this. My driver of the day is Checo. I mean, tip of the hat to Lewis, Max, Lando. You know, a lot of the other great performances out there. Uh, I don't care about being different because that was so great a drive from Checo to come from a literal dead car on a formation lap to a solid points finish. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. My race rating, to leave room for improvement throughout the rest of the season, I'm going to call it a a 7.5, just under you guys, because the opening laps and the madness before we even started the race were exciting. There were some great battles, some great defending, some great overtakes, and the pit stop strategies were unique enough in seeing people trying to have a three-stop, some people trying to make a two-stop out of it, and the blunders and thereof, it, the middle section of the race was not boring. It was all coalescing and building towards the end. But even in the midfield, there was a, we knew who was going to be the shakers and movers, and some were just you know stuck in the queue. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Seven and a half, Checo. Still a damn good way to start off a season, and we're in for an amazing season. Absolutely. And
1: just to finish off, I'm go- I'm going to. I thought it was an amazing race, an amazing weekend. I loved pretty much every second of it. However, I'm going to give it a seven because I feel we've been let down by the FIA. There should be... We shouldn't leave a race weekend feeling like it, it, there's blurred lines. You know, should this have happened? Should that have happened? It should be you win or you don't win. Um, so I think I think we've been left let down by the FIA on that. So uh, seven out of ten. It could have been a 9.5 if it was... All fair and square, I think. Uh, and I don't think there's any... Um, you can't put anyone else's driver of the day than Perez. It was an incredible race. And I'm so glad to have this man in the sport. So with that, we're going to leave you there. If, if you're not currently a member of our Facebook group, it's Cut to the Race on Facebook. We've got a group there. Talk to us. Tell us what you want to hear. We've got some amazing guests coming up soon. Oh, I really want to tell you who's next week. Shall I do it? Shall I do it? I'm getting shaking heads. Okay, Keep, him Keep him waiting. Keep me. him waiting. Tell me. Okay, I'll tell you I'll tell you off. You don't
0: listen, Alex. You don't get to know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, will um... we do a podcast? <laughs> I thought this was a video call. I thought this
1: was a Zoom <laughs> meeting. I thought it was a... <laughs> um, if you've enjoyed the show and you've enjoyed our previous shows, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It makes a big difference. Um, but from me, that's all we have this evening. Alex, thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having me for my debut podcast. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to doing some more. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm only joking.
2: Uh, <laughs> Alex, uh, uh, sorry, Dan, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. I can't wait for the rest of the season if today's race is anything to go by. So, yeah. Oh, indeed. And Matt, thank you
1: very much.
0: Always glad to be here. In the words of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other.
1: We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.